God bless you in the precious name of Jesus. I trust that you understand that God is rewarding us tonight with a beautiful rain on the outside. And we've got this wonderful tent to be inside. And I trust that you are, are having a peace about you, even though that you might get stuck tonight. Just remember that Truman brought his Ford truck from Missouri. So if you need help, I'll be re- available, okay? Tonight is good to see you all this evening. I don't know all of your faces. I've learned to appreciate a lot of you. And I don't make a real habit to just look out in the crowd and just look at people and see if I really recognize them. But there's a lot of your faces that I've recognized since Monday a week ago, or Wednesday a week ago. We've been here a while, and I want to say thank you so much for your hospitality, your generosity, and all the food that you've given, the rolls and all kinds of things, the pies and the vegetables and so forth. And we enjoy them. And as you look at us, you see that we don't, probably don't really need it, but it's a generous gift. And we don't want to waste it, but so we do waste it. We put it on where we can see it. But anyway, God bless you, and I trust that you have been enriched and that we will continue to be enriched. Tonight, as I, as I stand here before you, I feel before I can continue on in the message, I need to make an apology. Last evening, we met with the young people after the service for a time of questions and so forth. I felt we had a, a good time. Uh, maybe a little bit more formal than it could have been, although it's what we had to work with. But there was one question that one of the sisters or brethren, I'm not sure which one, wrote it down. And it was a, a question about, is there one man for one woman and one woman for one man? And I want to make an apology of that because of, I felt like I handled that in the wrong way. I felt like I, I made a bit of light of that. I didn't really understand it exactly. And uh, I didn't take it as serious as I should have. And whoever wrote that down, I'm sorry for casting any light on that in a very casual way because you meant it very real. And I don't know who it was, but God does. And would you accept my apology for that? The Bible says that if we offend one of these little ones, and I believe that can be our teenagers among us, not just children, but if we offend those that we are trying to win to the faith through the atonement of Jesus Christ, It's better for a millstone to be hung around our neck and cast in the deep. And so I just trust that you will accept that uh, as as I have given it in my heart. And tonight I'm grateful for the uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit as we uh, at times think about some of the things that we do. And I believe that's the still small voice that speaks to us. In fact, it's the fear of God. It's the fear of God. It's not that we fear God to strike us down when we make a mistake. We live in a day of grace, but in that grace, we have the opportunity and the privilege while we have breath to make restitution. And tonight, I'd like to share with you again, we preached a lot about repentance this week, and I believe repentance is so important, and there is no way I believe that we can come to the Lord Jesus Christ without repentance. And tonight, if you have repented, I believe it's only a game that we say that we have repented and we have not made restitution. You know, if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you think that he has washed you whiter than snow, we sing about that snow tonight. And I believe he does. According to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, it says that. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they be red as crimson. I'm sorry. Though our sins be as crimson, they shall be as wool. And that is white and that is pure. What more beautiful scene do you see than going out after a snowfall in the morning and it is untainted, it has not been adulterated with the tracks of humanity or nothing. It's out there and it's such a beautiful cover. And I believe in our eyes of faith we can see that and that's the way we are when we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we must be born again. And I'd like to share on that just briefly this evening. We must be born again tonight if your sins, if you want them under the blood of Jesus Christ, though they be red and all blotchy, and we make a lot of mistakes, and we drag our baggage around so many times, and we make it hard on people, and we've been calloused against people's feelings, and we knock them down, we walk over to get to where we want to go, and so forth. Tonight, I trust that we can come under the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and find help and healing in the fountain that is flowing freely, as it says Is it in Revelation 21, verse 6? It says to the fountain of life, the fountain that is flowing freely. Tonight, I don't know why I'm thinking about water. There's something happened. I hear the rush of water. 
And I trust this evening that you can hear that tonight as those apostles was there when the Holy Spirit came. They heard a rushing of a mighty wind. I believe there was something that they heard, some sound that was greater. The Bible says the Spirit in John chapter 3 is as the wind. It is out as the wind. You can't see it, but you can hear it. You know, you hear the sound thereof, but you don't know whether it cometh or where it goes. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is. Tonight, I trust you will welcome the Holy Spirit. I know it's something the brother shared this evening, that when you don't want to meet God, you want to escape. You want to get out. You just want to hide. And that's the way our first parents did. Adam and Eve, they wanted to hide after their sin. And they tried to, but they couldn't. They were in the garden. They were hiding. My friends, I don't care. In Jeremiah chapter 23, it talks about, is there anyone that can hide from the presence of the Lord? He is everywhere, my friends. And he breaks the hardest hearts into crumbles tonight. As it says in Matthew chapter 25, and in verse 44, it says that we are to fall on the rock. And my friends, tonight, if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, tonight I pray we can humble ourselves I don't know what your heart is tonight, and I'm glad I don't, but I believe in one that does, and the one he's got the power. He is the, able, the one that's piercing the hearts, even the bone and marrow, and he knows the intent of the heart. Sometimes we don't even know our own heart, because our heart, the Bible says, is very deceitful and desperately wicked, and it says who can know it. I believe if somebody would have asked David before he committed that awful sin with Bathsheba, how his heart was, he could have said that he could have stood. He had the power to stand my, my friends, tonight, I'd like to share with you that the Bible says in Corinthians that he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. We're human. We're humanity. We live in the flesh, my friends. We don't stay there, but we live by the Spirit of God. We live by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Tonight, I'm grateful for that. And he can break the hardest hearts tonight. I don't care who it is. I've seen people walk into meetings like this, and I've seen a young man walking in. His face was as hard and as cold and as blusterous as the north wind. He comes in and he sits down. And by the evening, when the Holy Spirit got done with him, my friends, he was in the front kneeling down. I say, hallelujah. And you know, if God can break the hardest hearts, he can break your heart. Even though we have repented, my friends, we live a life of repentance. We live a life of penitence. All the time. All the time. Tonight I'd like to share about there's two kingdoms in this world. We often like to make a third way to heaven or the second way to heaven. You know, there's only two ways. The Bible says, is it in, John, is it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, 13 and 14? Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that entereth into destruction. It says, many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow the way that leads into life everlasting and there's a few that find it just a few where do we find ourselves i have a painting at home we had it hanging in the church as you walk in it's a big plaque it was painted by sarah weaver she was an amish invalid and she did a lot of beautiful paintings and it was it was a painting there's a painting here it is going the right way here and there was heaven and there were people trying to climb in some other way. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no man coming to the Father but by me. We can try to get in some way. There's people that try to sneak in the church some other way. My friends, tonight, I trust that we understand there's no way that God's going to recognize us as one of his children unless we have a confession of faith from the heart when we become church members. There's too many people tonight that I believe that are only church members because somehow they feel that's the right thing to do. They have never settled up. They've all settled down and never settled the score between them and God. And unless we do that tonight, we will not see him. The Bible says in the Old Testament even, it says, the man that sinneth, he shall die. The man that sinneth, he shall die. I'd like to read in John chapter 3 tonight. And a few other scriptures I'm going to be reading tonight. John chapter 3, verse 1. There's two kingdoms in this world. My friend, as we're going through this world, it is a reality. And we live in that reality. And there's principles that we live by, my friends. There's two kingdoms. It is that of the carnal and it is that of the spiritual. We like to make another road. You know that poster I was talking to you about? There was definitely the broad road over here. There were people going in. They were playing cards. They were doing all kinds of things. They weren't professional sports. They weren't all kinds of things over here. And those over here were going to heaven, just a few of them. But then there was a, a middle way. And I felt like it's not scriptural. It doesn't talk about a middle way. But it was a description, the thing that stood out to me. 
There's so many uh, people. They can call themselves religious. I know they're the good moral people. They wouldn't be out drinking and carousing and so forth. But have they created or trying to make a middle way? There's only two ways, my friends. There's two ways. One goes to heaven and the other to eternal damnation. Be not deceived, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that must he also reap. David was a man that repented of his sin when the prophet Nathan came to him. But there was reaping to do and so forth. The wages of sin are death. The Bible does say that. Why? Because we have inherited that. In uh, Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. You know, there's a lot of wages to change. I talked a little bit about wages last night. Some people thought I make $25 an hour. I don't even really know what I make. The boss that I work for never really tells me. And so, uh, actually, I work for myself. But the thing of it is, I just get what's left over. But the wages of sin will never change. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, we don't need to live in defeat. Oh, we say, uh, 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 you know, we're just, we're just children of our nature, and we can't really help ourselves. This is just my downfall. This is just something that's just common to me. There is no sin that is common to man that Jesus Christ didn't come that also bore it for us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 16, in verse 14, I believe it is, it says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. He said, therefore, come before him boldly, that we might receive mercy and grace and help in time of need. Hallelujah. It's all there for us. All there. Praise God for that. Well, we're going to see here what happened here in John chapter 3. There is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jews, the same, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art the teacher come from God. For it says, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. It says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot. It says he cannot see the kingdom of God. He will never have a spiritual vision. And you wonder sometimes, my friends, why you're trying to, to make church people out of people. If they have not been born again, there perhaps will not be a spiritual vision. Is that right? You cannot have. The Bible does say in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. They're walking about as sheep without a shepherd. In darkness, stumbling around. And I trust that we have something greater to share. That the light of Jesus Christ is shining from us. We have the glory of God around us. I trust. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter, it says, a second time into his mother's room and be born? My friends, that is the statement of a man that does not understand the spiritual things. That is a statement of a man that is carnal. You can be reborn through your mother's womb a hundred times, and it will not make you born again. Jesus answered. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that is the sanctification, that was water and blood flowed from Jesus that side on the cross, on the cross of Calvary. That an awful place called Golgotha, it turned to life. And to the skull and bones, it turned to life. Cal Calvary now, my friends. We look to Calvary. The Bible says in verse, uh, is in verse 14 of the same chapter here, that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of God, it says, be lifted up. For those to look upon for healing, it takes more than that. We look upon him in faith, and we believe in our heart. My friends, it is Calvary. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God Eternal, my friends. There is, we're, we're playing with something eternal when, we're, when we think about our souls and the souls of men. You know, I, I, uh, I, I think sometimes we fail to do that. When we come before the Lord in prayer, so many times we, I find myself wanting to be so selfish in myself, in my own desires, in my own petitions, in my own wants and supplications. And, and you know, 
that's really not when you're going to be finding a blessing. Yes, we can, and we will. God is faithful. We heard that tonight, asking his name. We heard that in prayer service, and he will give. What happened to Job in his affliction? When he had boils, when he had all kinds of affliction, and he had friends to come and comfort him, and they really didn't. They were a liability. And finally, Job got the focus off of himself. He repented from not exalting God in the midst of his calamity. And he changed the focus in Job chapter 42, I believe it is, in verse 10. It says that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And he blessed him with twice as much that he had before. And again gave him seven sons and three daughters. So when we get the focus off of ourselves and we pray for those in need. My friends, let me tell you. I believe as soon as we lose the burden to pray for souls around us, we're going to cease to be a blessing in life to other people. And when we come before the Lord in prayer, you know, does our heart, have you ever knelt before the Lord in prayer and you have sensed that you have waned in a burden? Maybe you didn't even have a burden. Tonight, I trust that if you're born again, you will have a burden for the lost. Have you ever prayed, oh God, bring conviction on my life. Convict me. Draw me closer to thyself, into thy image. Is that scary? Or do we desire that? And do we pray until our knees would bleed for those that are lost and dying? Tonight, I trust that there's no one here that's going to experience eternal damnation. There's opportunity tonight and there's been opportunity this past week and so on that we could give our heart to the Lord. And I trust you have. But in meetings like this, we don't, don't take anything for granted. I've said it before that I believe that we're not witch hunters by no means. But we don't take things for granted. Have you prayed? Do you have a burden? If you're a carnal man, you will not be concerned. And Jesus says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He said, marvel not that I say unto you that ye must be born again. The wind bloweth wherever it willeth, you hear the sound thereof, but canst tell whether it cometh or whether it goeth. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit, my friends. The Spirit. There is only, there is only two ways in this life. And that is either it is spiritual or it is fleshly. And when we look at that thing stark in reality, I have to repent because there's many times where I have not looked at all of life like that. Somehow we feel like there can be another way. And there isn't. We like to hang on to some of those carnal things in our life. We don't want to let go because it hurts so bad. My friends, if we're not done with sin, and then sin will have this captivity upon us. And it will manifest itself in our lives. At the opportunity when it avails, we will fall for it. We need to nail it down through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We were talking about it the other night, our little daughter, she's nine years old, on the way back to the camp. We were talking about it. And, uh, yeah, it's... Little children have a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, I, also, I will go ahead and say what we talked about is personal. But I also had a brother tell me here some time ago. He come up to me. He's a Truman. And he's a very invigorating man. I enjoy being around him. I work with him some. And uh, he told me, Truman, he, he said, why did God make us that we just, that we have the choice to sin? If he really wants glory from the mankind he created, why has he created us that we have the opportunity to sin? And I said, you know, that's interesting. But you know what, God? God is a God. He's a jealous God. His glory will he not give to another. And he has created us with a free moral choice that we can make. And that's what he wants. He placed that tree in the garden of knowledge, good and evil, in the garden, the midst of the garden, and said not to eat thereof. In the day that men shall eat of them, they shall surely die. And that's exactly what happened, my friends. You know what God wants? 
You know why God made it possible that you and I can sin? There's people that live in a fatalistic way, in a defeated way, and they say, well, God just created me that I can sin, and I just fall in sin, and this and that. No, my friends, God wants no one to be a robot. If God wanted robots, he'd have made them. He wants people with passion. He wants people that they have a testimony for the Lord. He wants people that will serve him because they want to. Do you have to be a Christian tonight? Do you have to? Tonight, if you have to, that can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you want to be one of his children. A Christian life is a good life. We would say, but my friends, it is life. It is the best life. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I'd like to. Before I get there, while, I, while you're paging to it, I'd like to read a few verses here. In John chapter 17, you know, the disciples, they would have liked when, you know, they're on the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Just, uh, just have it there, like always. They, they just wanted a little place there to worship. They didn't want to go back in the world. In verse 14, it says, I have given them thy word. That's what Jesus said. And the world hateth, it says, hath it hateth them because they are not of the world. Even though it says, as I am not of the world. My friends, he is saying he is not of this world. He has come to deliver the world. He came to show us how to live. You know, he, the thing of it is, he, he calls us out and then he sends us right back in. That's the way of God. He's not of this world. The world will hate you. Let me tell you, my friends, if you're loved by the world, there's something wrong. The world, and if we're living a Christian life the way that we should, under the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I believe the world will not accept us. But they will only tolerate us. You write that down and think about it, okay? If you're accepted of the world tonight, let me tell you, my friends, I question whether you're a Christian. We are not accepted in this world. We're only tolerated. We'll get to a little scripture afterwards here that we are passing through this world as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers has got to do that we are no longer of this world. Abraham said he sought for a city whose builder and maker was God. That had foundations. That's what he sought and that's what we do. It changes our focus. We become strangers and pilgrims in our destiny. Strangers on the journey and pilgrims in our destiny. I trust tonight that we have a mindset and an understanding of the two kingdom principles, my friends. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Jesus here was praying to the Father. It's a beautiful prayer. You know, there's times when we become Christians, we would just like, if we would never be tempted with sin again. We would like to be eradicated from those things. But Jesus is praying for them. And that's why God sent his son, that we we're able to be in the world, to be the light of the world. I pray not for them that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. And that is what he does. He will keep us from evil. How can we be saved from evil? My friend, it's because Jesus Christ not just died for us, but he resurrected, and it was our justification. Our justification. See, Jesus took our stripes that we don't have to, that it would appease God. We could never do that because we were sin. Why did it take his only son? Because he was sinless. He was sin-free. Without blackness of heart, my friends. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we were healed. He died for our salvation. He rose again for our justification. He ascended to heaven to make intercession. That's where he's at tonight. And he's coming again for our glorification. Let us live lives that are consecrated. Until that final consummation when he comes again. Until we shall ascend into the celestial. And be there in the full culmination around the marriage supper of the Lamb and sing praises throughout eternity. Oh, what a beautiful, it's exciting if you're born again. Here it says in verse 16, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. It says, sanctify them through thy word. And people say, well, how can we be sanctified through the washing of the water of the word? The word, thy word shall sanctify. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And now we can turn right over to Romans chapter 8, and I'd like to read a few verses there. In fact, I'd like to read quite a few. Beginning at verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
For the law of the Spirit, my friends, is life in Christ Jesus, and He hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That freedom, there are people that say that I am now a Christian, and I can kind of go on, and uh, nothing really matters that much, and so forth. But let me tell you, my friends, that we have the capability of sinning as long as we're here on the earth, I believe. I believe we do. We shall be saved through the sanctification of His Word and the presence of His Spirit speaking to us. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemning, it says, sin in the flesh. Christ became sin for us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, Tonight, you can be the judge in your own heart. You can ask God to come in and to search your heart, as David said in Psalm. He said it wasn't in Psalm 139, in verse 23 and 4. He said there, search me, O God, and know my heart. And try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what we want to do, to turn the searchlight on. Tonight, have I been walking in carnality? What's wrong with me? Why did I respond to that Think the other day the way I did. Why did I respond to the man at the feed store the way I did? Why did I respond to my family the way I did? Because we have the capabilities and the possibilities for sin even though we're Christians. And that takes away the thing of eternal election. Or you can call it Calvinism or you can call it eternal security, whatever you want to call it tonight. Sometimes I don't think we're lost as quick as we think we are, but we don't know where the mercy line is. So my friends, don't hedge on it at all. Shall we sin that grace may abound? No. No. It says in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. Wow, that isn't going very far. But to the spiritual minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. You know, tonight there was a brother that said something to me over this afternoon about a visitation he had with another man of business, I believe. And the man couldn't understand what it is to be born again, to be of a different kingdom from what this world is. We are of a different kingdom. And I trust that you don't just have to keep telling yourself that. But you are living that, it becomes a lifestyle. We are not mechanical Christians. It is who we are. It's not what I'm doing, it's who I am in Christ Jesus. He has made all things whole as we sing tonight. So then, they that are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit dwell in you, my friends. If that same Spirit is you, it says, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also... Quicken your mortal bodies. Where else does it talk about the mortal body? It talks about it in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. That we are to mortify the flesh. Mortify the flesh. Mortify the flesh. And put away things that we're not to be involved in. Put off. Put off and put on the new man. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Come to my mind. Behold, you know the man that is in Christ. It says... Whole, you know, the things that the old flesh is, is put away and everything has become new. Has that been your experience? I can't just get exactly the words for some reason on that verse, but I believe it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. Old things have passed away. Tonight, if you're born again, if you're not born again, you cannot see the things of God. You cannot understand the things which are spiritual. Neither can they, if you're operating in the flesh. But ye are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you now. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, it says, the body is dead because of sin. Ye are dead, 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. In Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about being illuminated. Those that have once been illuminated. You can look that up. It's Hebrews chapter 10, I believe, it's verse 24 or 5. Ere we've been illuminated. What's illuminated us? The light of Jesus Christ. And what has quickened us? It was the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of God. We, the light is on. You know, the thing it is, I can't see how somebody can have the light of Christ and not be quickened. Quickened. We know what that means. That means fervency. And fervency means heat. In fact, it means very hot. It means something that is alive. That's what happens. We're not charismatic Christians, but we're Pentecostal Christians. Why do I say that? Because if you don't have the fire tonight, you're dead. And tomorrow, when we leave the meetings, you don't have the fire of God, we're dead. And we don't have it next year, we're dead. No, we're Mennonites, I understand that. But what I'm saying is a principle of the early church. In the day of Pentecost, I'm not saying we're Pentecostal, but unless you have the fire, my friends, you're dead. Unless the Spirit of God is dwelling in your life, and you're operating from the Spirit. If you're operating the flesh, you have no life. That's as far as I'm going to read there. I would like to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm sorry about that. This verse has always... It talks there in verse 13, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Got my reference wrong there. In verse 14 it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Have you ever talked to someone that you felt like there was just no breakthrough? That you just cannot get through? It just seems like it makes no sense. And that is exactly the way it is if a person does not know and cannot understand and cannot see as Nicodemus did. To be born again, it's such a carnal statement to go into thy mother's womb again to be born again. And he was a doctor of the law. In fact, he might have been one of the head of the Sanhedrin. Who knows? I don't know. But he was a religious man. And he knew nothing about it. I understand that the spirit had not descended yet. He did not have free course yet. But there were some things that Jesus was teaching that the man that was searching seems to me like he could have understood but how many times have I been to Nicodemus and not seeing in the things that were very plain? Neither can he understand the things that are spiritual because they are spiritually discerned. So what, how does that work out in our life when we're actually strangers and pilgrims here in this world? How does it play out when, when we call ourselves believers or Christians compared to the old life that we lived. It works out in a lot of different areas in our life. I'm reminded of a little story several years ago, and I don't know how many of you knew the uh, Camachi, uh, Capache or whatever they call them down in Mexico, Mennonites. I kind of keep up with some of them sometimes. But they wanted to build a cheese factory. And the, the Mexican government did, uh, they okayed it. They would like to have a good, nice, clean cheese factory. They knew the Mennonites, if they put their hand to it, they could do it. And so the governor of Chihuahua uh, gave them the okay to go ahead, but they lacked the funds. So there was a lot of men up in the States that made up funds and sent them down. And so uh, they made a beautiful, it was a beautiful cheese factory there in old Mexico. And so after they were done, the governor from Chihuahua flies out on his helicopter and he comes down and he looks at it and he stops there and he goes in and he talks to uh, uh, 
Henry Lowen. I don't know how many of you have heard of him. Henry Lowen is one of the prominent figures there. And uh, so he said, Henry, uh, I really like what I see here, what your people have done, and you have not cost the government anything in doing it. Uh, can I take you up in the airplane or the helicopter and drive and get an aerial view? And he said, yeah, he'd enjoy that. So he took him up. And uh, as he was flying, um, he asked Henry, he said, you know, my election's coming up, and I would like, what could I do to get the Mennonites, you folks, to vote for me, to put me back in office? And uh, Henry said, well, us Mennonites don't vote. And he says, well, he doesn't want them to go against their conscience. Henry said that we'll pray for you. Uh, the authorities and so forth, and they did. They, they, uh, they intentionally prayed for him, and we should too, my friends. Um, and so uh, the governor left it at that. Some time ago, there was an assassination attempt on the governor of Chihuahua, and he was shot in the neck and just missed his skull, and he was laying in the hospital healing, and there was a lot of things going through his mind. When he remembered what Henry had said about praying for him, we cannot vote for you in the government, this is not of our kingdom, but we can pray for you. And he was laying there in his hospital bed, and uh, after he's healed up, that really spoke to him, so he said he wanted to make another trip back to the Mennonites out there. So he went back, and uh, I, I'm not trying to glorify Mennonites, okay? But I'm just saying the principle, what I'm bringing out, is the fact that why don't we vote? People say, well, because we're Mennonites. No, the two kingdom concept is a lifestyle, okay? Amen? Yeah. Amen, it's a lifestyle. It's more than not just going to war. The Bible says, what is it, John? John chapter 6, verse 48, it says, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? You know, yeah, we don't go to war, yeah. But it's bigger than not going to war. But anyway, he comes out to the colony again, and they didn't really know what to expect because they didn't know why he was coming. Here's the governor coming again. So the governor told him the story. He was laying in bed that night, and he was thinking about that. And he just wanted to come out and tell them that even though they cannot vote for him, that their prayers, he feels like, is what it was to heal him. And he said he just wanted to make this trip out to tell them thank you. And I'll tell you what, my friends, if we live in the light of the spiritual kingdom in this world, we are going to let our light shine. We don't have to make it shine. We're going to let it shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Don't be ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But it is the power of salvation to the Jew first and the Greek. It goes on. But anyway, that we are not to be ashamed. We are not to live boastful. We are to be humble people, chaste, neat, clean, industrious, and have a burden for the lost. And I trust tonight that you do have a burden for the lost. You know, there's a lot more in the principles of, of being, a, being a citizen of the heavenly kingdom than there is in just living here. We're not just putting in time. We're not putting in time. I believe there's people that say we're just putting in time. My friends, we're doing more than that. We're doing more than just putting in time. You know, there was the old patriarchs of old. They were, uh, in Hebrews 11, it talks about the patriarchs of old. And I'm often encouraged about their lives where it talks about how that they look forward to the days that we look backwards. Now, we as Christians, we look backward and forward. We, uh, we uh, get together Sunday mornings, and we, um, it's actually an anticipation with retro. Uh, we look back. Um, it is a memorial, may I we call it, a memorial in anticipation. It is a memorial in anticipation. It's looking back at what happened, looking forward, Jesus coming again. And that's the, for the old people, old Abraham and them and the old, the Bible, you know, the, the heroes of faith, it talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that they looked forward to it. It says that they confessed. They confessed that they were not of this kingdom. And it says that they were persuaded that they were not of this kingdom. And it says they embraced it. Hallelujah. They embraced it. And we can just barely get people to confess. And are you persuaded? And do you embrace it? There's a lot of people on drugs. They've got to be drugged out of the house. Got to be drugged to church. 
Got to be drug all over the place. Let's not be on drugs. We're free from that. We want to. Sometimes teenagers got to be drug around all over the place. Get off of drugs. We want to be confessing it. The faith. They look forward to it. They didn't see it. I don't know if they see it. I don't know if there's confirmation after Jesus ascended those days he was in the grave. I don't know if he ministered there to the spirits. Gave him confirmation of I am the one now. I don't know. I won't go there tonight. But tonight I would like to share with you, just simply in closing, that our life is more in being of the kingdom of heaven than just not going to war. Non-resistance plays out in a lot of different things. Let me tell you, my friends, I have had the gift of going to prisons and uh, ministering uh, often. And uh, I, I befriended a, a, a prison chaplain. And I want to tell you this. I will tell you it as kind as I can. Because he had big questions about our people. And rightfully so. I mean, I understand. Uh, there was things that we talked about. And it, it was really, really interesting. He was a man about 65 years old. And he had been... In, in, the, in, in, in the prison system for a long time. And we got to talking about different styles and things that are out in the world and in the church and stuff. And he, I, I said, I want you, Rudolph, I want you to tell me, Rudolph, what, what is it? Can you tell me the signs? You know, we as congregations, we kind of have our own guidelines and creeds and so forth, which, you know, and that's good. But you realize the world does too? And if the world can afflict that on you, we're more than apt to take it up. But we will not. We'll rebel with what the church says. Why? And it's for our own protection and good. But he started listing off all the things, all the things that we people do and don't even think about it. Now we don't have the rings in the nose and the piercings and so forth, I trust. But he told me a lot of things that made sense. Which fingers... A ring is worn for a particular lifestyle or what would happen. Why and where it come from? The pants hanging down to the knees. Comes right out of the prison. Many of you are shaking your head. I think you know. I'll tell you afterward what that means. The donut beard. To the world, it shows that you're available. My friends, you walk beside a woman that is clad in modesty with a veil on. And you, the world has a standard that understands that, yeah, okay, that man would be available, okay? I didn't know that. Shocking. We sometimes are not wise enough streetwise that we really know what things mean in the world. But let me tell you, the world knows what they mean. I know that. I've been out, I, I know that. I've had enough experience. I've had some mileage. Certain rings, certain side of the ear that the ring is worn for what lifestyle and things like that. And there's times that we as gullible people come right along beside. We think it's a cool thing to do and we kind of keep up. We want to imitate. Why? Why? My friends, we don't just stay behind a few steps. We're going the other way. The other way. We don't want anything. Flee those things. I, my heart burdens when I see people that I know don't know better are following the things of the world. The world's got a standard, and we as God's people so oftentimes, we're, we're wanting to be cool, and we follow right along. We don't even know what we're doing. That's sad. I'm saying those things because we are of a different kingdom. We don't want to portray anything that we are from the kingdom of this world. Nothing. Nothing. You say, is that why you have a beard? No. <laughs> if, I had, if I had the mustache, I have nothing against the mustache. I'm just talking plain tonight. But I think for me, it would not be the right thing uh, for my makeup to have that. Others, I can't condemn in having it. 
for me, I don't think it's right, but not, I don't have the donut. Uh, I often board planes and so forth, and, and people make way for me and ask if I'm a pastor or whatever. And I don't try to look like a pastor, but they identify me as one before I don't even say anything. And I don't do it on purpose, although I think there is a distinction. And I'm not condemning anybody that doesn't have a beard. I mean, all of you have beards, we just can't see it. A lot of them, you know. Isn't that right? But if we live our lives in a godly fashion, beard or no beard, I'm not, I'm not advocating no beard tonight, okay? But what I'm saying, the world will see where we stand, and they will not have a lot of questions. For one thing, I uh, went to Kansas City to pick up uh, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Evangelist, came to our area, went to pick him up, and because uh, I was dressed kind of like I am now, and I often wear my suit coat when I go on the plane or whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, I have not had one harassment of it. They, everybody respects it. Um, because, but anyway, this man was coming up the corridor in the airport, and uh, he was almost out to the entrance, and uh, we met and we greeted, and the boy said, Dad, you shouldn't be doing that in 2018. I said, the Bible talks about the kiss of charity, okay? Will I decimate the importance of it because of the lifestyle of certain people that have adopted something that we don't agree with and the Bible detests it? Will we forsake the way we feel like is right just because we think that the world will not think good of us? They could see by Brother David and I, as we greeted, it was a, it was a discreet kiss of charity. They could see that we stood for something. I know that. But in this day and age, we frown away from it because... If we keep retreating as God's people, because just because we're in a day and age where people think you might be bi or whatever, then the next generation is going to lose it completely. And you know what? We're succumbing to the pressure of the world. My friends, let's do it not to make a show, but we live, we are serving another kingdom. We are not, this is not our home. We are pilgrims. We are strangers in the concept of our journey. And we are pilgrims in our destiny. So tonight I trust that as we close the service, that we can understand that we are not just putting in time. We are here to be lights for Jesus Christ. And we're going to close with prayer and wish the Lord's blessings on the rest of the evening as we bow our heads in prayer. Tonight, Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for visiting with us here. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the light and the life and the spirit of your word, O oh God. We thank you that you've given that to us. And this word of God is alive. And thank you that it has illuminated our hearts and it has a power to cleanse us and that you guide us in all truth with your spirit, O oh Father. You are faithful. You are faithful. And I'm grateful, God, that you sent your spirit, that it blesses the word. Oh, God, we thank you for that. Any word that is spoken that does not mesh with your word, Father, we know is not right. And so, Father, help us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, to be read up, prayed up, and looking up. Tonight, we're going to close this service, this particular session here. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Heads bowed tonight and eyes closed. I would like to just invite, is there anyone here tonight that is done with the world. You have been trying to keep one foot in the church and one in the world. The Bible says in Matthew, it says that God, you know, God, Jesus said that man cannot serve God and mammon. Brother, would you sing a hymn? Would you? We cannot serve God and mammon. Either we will love the one and hate the other. You know, we need to make that break if we haven't tonight. And tonight there's going to be opportunity as we sing this song, allow the Spirit of God to come visit you where you sit. He is... I trust your invited guest tonight. If you have not made things right, tonight I ask you, you would invite him in. Go ahead, brother. Let's. Jesus paid it all. Amen. First line starts out, I heard, hear the Savior say, 
one to come to thy You would like to be free from those bondages. We have a young man coming forward tonight. Tonight. Is there anyone else? He's done with this world. Tonight, we can stay sitting in our benches. The brother said that you could go home tonight and make it right with God. But tonight, if you make a decision for God right here in front, and you're driving a stake, and it's not just for the public to see and for the unclean angels to see, go ahead, another song, but that it is for your good. You can reflect on the fact that tonight I have made that decision, and there's a lot of people that I'm accountable to. Is there anyone else tonight? God bless the young man coming forward. Is there anyone else tonight? The invitation is open tonight. Jesus is standing with his hands out, his palms turned up, come unto me. Is there anyone tonight? I believe we're going to quit with that. I feel the Spirit saying, yes, it's time to, to bring this to a close. I trust you've been faithful. Uh, I have uh, felt that freedom in these services. There was one evening that I felt a resistance. I did not feel the service should have been closed. I sensed that strongly, and I don't know how you're feeling here tonight. Uh, maybe I'm not perceptive to what, I, what you're feeling, but I uh, could share with, that, with you later on that and why I felt like that. But tonight I do feel like that you have been honest and uh, the gospel net has again been cast and uh, he is faithful in bringing his loved ones, his fish home. And you know, we as God's people don't even have to clean them up. God cleans them up and he sends them right back to catch more fish. Let's stand for prayer. In benediction, we'll pray tonight in the name of Jesus again. God, we come before you as heavenly, as holy, as hallowed. We exalt you, invest you with all authority tonight. We thank you and praise you, Father, for the bonds that could be broken tonight in the name of Jesus, that this young man came. And tonight, I just pray whatever has been uh, afflicting him and dragging him down tonight that he could have freedom that those bonds could be broke loose, O oh Father. You have come to set the captive free. We thank you, O oh Father, for your faithfulness again this evening. And we just pray that you would be with us as we dismiss from this assembly. Guard and keep us in your care and that you would give everybody a safe trip back home. Protect them. We do plead the blood of Jesus over them. Um, guard them against physical attacks and spiritual attacks. Father, because we have an enemy that desires to even destroy not just our soul, but also our bodies. And so, Father, we thank you for your guiding hand and your protection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And depart in peace.